It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What a big week. We are back. Letterman Live is here. Andy Baxter from the other side of that screen. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Uh, if you hear some energy in my voice, that's because I'm pretty energized. Ohio State, Penn State uh, coming to the Horseshoe on Saturday at noon on Fox um, or in the Horseshoe if you're going to be there. If you're going to be there, let us know in the comments. And if you have a question, again, like it says down below, let us know in the comments. But like I said, uh, Andy Backstrom, uh, Spencer Holbrook. Um, Andy, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited. Penn State's coming to town. Biggest game in Ohio Stadium all year. I mean, the Michigan game is obviously in Ann Arbor, so this is the one where we all had it circled on the calendar. Everyone's coming to the shoe. Uh, they're trying to deck it out with Scarlet. It's going to be a good atmosphere. I'm excited for it. I'm from Pennsylvania, not a Penn State fan by any means, but from PA. I have a lot of friends that went there, so it'll be an exciting matchup for sure. Uh, do you have Penn State folk in your family? No, not really. I mean, I had an uncle that went to Penn State, but a lot of my friends from where I grew up like are Penn State through and through. They've got the uh, paw print on the back of the car, but my family was never like that. Um, but they're a fun football program to watch. Obviously had their troubles in the 2000s, but now they're back on track. And this is one of the best rivalries in college football. And it's kind of sad that it's going away, at least in an annual sense, coming up in a few years. I know that They'll still play in 2024 and 2025, but starting in 2026, this rivalry that's really become a rivalry won't be played on an annual basis, which is a little bit sad. I would agree with that. Uh, some of my favorite games to cover so far in my uh, young career um, have involved Penn State. I remember a little anecdote being on the field 2019. Um you know, the Olave touched on the third quarter. We went over the defender and, and kind of snatched it out of the air. And then uh, I made my way down to the field to put the camera with the press conference room at the end of the third quarter. I come back on the field with like 10 minutes to go. Will Levis is in the game. This is so weird to say now. Will Levis is in the game for an injured Sean Clifford. And he throws an interception, you know, near the near the line of scrimmage to Justin Hilliard. A couple of Ohio State staffers were looking, were right beside me on the sideline. And they're like, who, who made that play? And I said, it's Justin Hilliard. And they started going nuts. Uh, so that was a cool moment. Uh, my first year covering the team. That's a, a great moment. And the 2021 uh, game with the Jerron Cage um, scoop and score that nobody saw coming. And, and we all got to make fun of Jerron a little bit because because he was rumbling, stumbling, bumbling into the end zone. And then last year, of course, with JT. So like every year, this game seems to have a moment, right? And uh, – that's what even in 2016 when Ohio State loses Grant Haley, the moment was the blocked field goal and and Urban rushing Urban Meyer rushing Ohio State's uh, field goal unit onto the field and then Grant Haley blocks it because Ohio State didn't use a timeout to get the field goal unit on there. Penn State scores and ends up winning the game. So like every year this game just delivers. JT Barrett to 
Dwayne Haskins and Benjamin Victor to Chris Olave to, yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. I love this game. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that JT Barrett game too. You go back to 2017, just 13 of 13 in the fourth quarter. Played as perfect as you can for any quarterback. I think that's what Urban Meyer said after that game. And you know, even just, I was nowhere near Columbus at that point in my life, but I remember that game. I remember the JT Barrett moment there in the shoe. And then the year after that, 2018, also really close game. Dwayne Haskins came through. So, so many, so many moments, quarterbacks defining moments. It feels like we're getting another one this week, whether it's Kyle McCord or Drew Aller on the other side. It's kind of cool with the state line battle with Kyle playing his high school ball in Pennsylvania, obviously being a very highly recruited guy out of PA. And then on the flip side, Drew Aller was from Medina, Ohio, and was one of the most highly prized quarterback recruits in this state's recent history. So just cool storylines all throughout for this weekend. And I'm really excited to see how it shakes out because we really don't know how good either of these teams is. I mean, Penn State has not played much of anyone to this point, but they are dominant statistically. Ohio State has played Notre Dame and beaten Notre Dame. And Notre Dame seems like a pretty decent team, especially after this past week's win against USC. But besides that, there's question marks even about that Maryland win considering that Maryland now has lost two straight with a loss to Illinois last week. So there's really questions at this point in the season. How good is anyone? And I think that exists for this game too. Yeah, which brings us to this. Well, first of all, I think Ohio State, we know a little bit more about how good Ohio State is compared to Penn State. I mean, you look at up and down the Penn State schedule, try to find the best win. Um, I don't want to play the schedule game here, but – you know, we do have the Ohio State Notre Dame data point to kind of fall back on. Okay, Ohio State did this against this caliber of opponent. Um, that's not to say Notre Dame is the caliber of Penn State, but I think there's a better data point for the level that Ohio State is baseline than what Penn State is. But I think Penn State is really, really good. So that brings us to first question from the audience. Alex Trick, what is the one thing the Buckeyes must do to beat Penn State? Kind of goes into our keys to the game we're going to get into in this hour. Um, Andy, but if you had, man, this is like me trying to wrangle you and Tim in on a Tuesday in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Uh, if you had one thing that the Buckeyes just must do to beat Penn State, that is blank. Yeah, it's got to be protect Kyle McCord for me. This defensive line for Penn State is one of, if not the best in the country. They're near the top of the FBS with four and a half sacks per game. And look, they can get to the passer with Chop Robinson. Adiza, Isaac, they've even got a second fleet of defensive ends, could probably start for a lot of teams in the Big Ten. So they are great at getting to the passer. For Ohio State, the key is keeping Kyle McCord upright, and that's also on Kyle McCord. Sometimes he's taking too many steps on dropbacks. Sometimes he's hung onto the ball too long. He needs to get the ball out quick. He needs to be calling out protections. He needs to be loud. It's going to be loud in the shoe. He's got to be on all of his P's and Q's for this game to help the offensive line. He made that clear. It's a team effort for protection of sensing where that pressure is coming from Penn State. So that's my key to this game is letting Kyle McCord throw the ball and have time to do so because I don't know if they're going to have success running the football on Saturday. I think that's probably a great uh, one thing they must do. I'm going to go to the other side of the ball, and I think it's Ohio State must stop the run. Uh, if Ohio State stops the run, you're going to put Drew Aller in very uncomfortable situations. And as good as we talk about this Ohio State uh, versus Penn State with comes to Ohio, Penn State. Excuse me, I can't talk. Penn State's defensive line against Ohio State's offensive line, as critical as that is, 
I think if you if you let JT Tuimola, Jack Sawyer, Tyler Williams, and Mike Hall pin their ears back and get after the passer on third and long, I think that's a bad situation for Penn State to be in. Um, I think it's a bad situation for both teams to be in. But Penn State can run the football, and they can do it really effectively. And I think Ohio State's front has shown that they're not easy to run on. I know the stats show that they're, I think, the 32nd or 35th best run defense in the country. Um, I, I, I think they're better than that stat shows. Uh, Purdue got a lot of yards gained in the fourth quarter there. And in the second half when Ohio State was rotating some guys, I, I think Ohio State can stop the Penn State rushing attack. I think they have to, to put uh, pressure on Drew Aller, get the crowd involved on third and long and make that make life miserable for Penn State. That's the one thing I think they must do since you took the, the first one, which I think everybody would say, you know, is the, is the one thing they have to do, but it's so paramount for this game. And I guess that takes us, Andy, right into those keys of the game is can Ohio State block Penn State? That's that's the biggest question that's put on everybody's mind. It's even on I'm sure on Ryan Day's mind. Like, can can we block these guys? And that's that's at the forefront of everything that that this game will be. Well, this offensive line's been fine in pass protection for most of this year. Uh there's been the last two weeks more sacks than we saw in the first four, but some of that is just there was an intentional grounding, some of it's Kyle McCord with a strip sack against Purdue, like holding on to the ball too long. Uh, sometimes it's cutting your losses, right? You know, not making a negative play worse than it has to be. I think overall this offensive line has exceeded expectations in terms of pass protection. The bulk of the problems have been in run blocking. And I guess for this question, it's more based around pass pro because of the defensive ends and what they can do to get to the quarterback. And they also like to send their linebackers on occasion to Abdul Carter is someone that has 50 pass rush snaps for Penn State this season. He can get to the quarterback as well and generate some pressure. So I don't know. I mean, the question is really you're looking at the tackles, right? You're looking at Josh Fryer and you're looking at Justin, uh, not Justin Simmons, Josh Simmons on the other side. And the question is like, can they hold up against these defensive ends? And we just don't really know yet. I mean, they, they fared pretty well against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame does not have the same type of edge rushers that Penn State does, so it's a little bit different of a test. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the the onus is going to be on those tackles. Just It's almost like a what-you-got game. Like, what do you got? Are you game or are you not? And I think that's probably the biggest thing is just like this is the challenge. Even Michigan, I think, at the end of the year, they have some good defensive linemen. Those guys, I think, are more on the interior, and I'm sure if Michigan fans are watching this, they're going to – uh, let me hear about in the comments, but I think Michigan's best defensive linemen are on the interior with Chris Jenkins. So like this may be the biggest challenge they see all year for the, and if they can handle this, I think they can handle anything, even in the college football playoff. Uh, if they get there, they can handle uh, any defensive line. They see if they can handle the Penn state defensive line, that's a big deal. Like that's, that shows that you can do it at a, at a high level. If you can do it against this front, um, I knew we were going to get questions about this. Any questions on the injuries? Uh, it's it's a it's a game, man. It's a gamesmanship thing. Ryan Day declining to talk about injuries. Um, some notes, though, from Wednesday night in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, as we said on our practice report. If you haven't watched that, make sure you go watch that. Um, Andy, we saw all running backs accounted for walking off the field. Chip Trainum walked off the field um, after practice. Uh, helmet, he was dressed for practice. Read into that whatever you want. It doesn't mean that he, he did anything in practice. Uh, Mayan Williams was at practice, helmet coming off the field. Trayvon Henderson, helmet in hand, coming off the field. Um, Emeka Buka coming off the field. We saw him. 
Um, so we've seen all these guys. They're alive. We've, we have proof of life. <laughs> but what does that mean right now? I don't know. We saw, uh, you know, there's Denzel Burke, the question of him. Um, it's, it's up in the air. There's I I'm I'm very I'm more confident in Travion Henderson playing and Mayan Williams playing than I am anyone else. But that doesn't really mean anything because you just you just don't know. And if somebody says that they do know, I I think that they're probably lying. Yeah, I mean, we fully expected Travion Henderson to play that game against Purdue, and then lo and behold, we're we're going through pregame warmups, and you know he's questionable, and we're uncertain if he's actually going to go or not, and he ultimately doesn't. So. I think you just don't know until you know. And uh, it's one of those things where this week, in terms of preparing for the game, for me, like I've been preparing as if those guys aren't. And it doesn't mean they won't play, but I just want to know who will be in if they aren't. And I think that's something that's interesting to talk about because the first minute on the field for Ohio State when Denzel Burke got hurt against Purdue was Jermaine Matthews Jr. And, you know, he's come a long way since he was a early enrollee back in January. I know. We were watching him at the Woody during spring ball, had some struggles at the beginning of that session in March and April, but he's really, really emerged for this team. The defensive backs, Davidson Igmanosin, Jordan Hancock, and even Denzel Burke prior to the injury spoke so highly of Jermaine Matthews. He obviously had that pick six against Western Kentucky in that 63-10 to 10 route. And it seems like he's someone that can get his hands on the ball, and he they like him at that outside corner spot. Uh, and, you know, it's something where they might be comfortable playing him out there and just still having Jordan Hancock in the slot. So that's that's one injury. You know, I just don't know if Denzel Burke's going to play or not, but if he isn't, you know, I think we should all be prepared to see some Jermaine Matthews on Saturday against Penn State. I would also add that Jordan Hancock was was decent um, once he was out there on the outside. Dave Snake-Benosa, you would want Jordan Hancock to be in the slot because of how well he's played there, but it's not uh, something where – Ohio State's going to just force that square peg into a round hole uh, and have you know Jermaine Matthews out there if it trusts Jordan Hancock more on the outside. I think that's something that we have to consider is, okay, you trust Jermaine Matthews out there on the outside. How much do you trust him against the top 10 team? Uh, you trusted Jair Brown last year because Penn State start, or because uh, you did it in a game against Wisconsin where they hadn't thrown to receivers very well all year and they weren't going to no matter what because they're Wisconsin uh, from last year. So, like, that's one thing, but to trust them against a Penn State team, I know they don't throw the ball down the field, but they can. That doesn't mean they can't. So I I wonder how much Jermaine Matthews will see if he gets sprinkled in or if he's like if it's a legitimate thing. Um, you know, him being out there for for extended period of time. I it's something I'm definitely watching for. And I'll be there uh as early as I can get into the stadium to start tracking uh the injury situation there. Uh and I know you will too, Andy. Uh why is the five-star running wide receiver commit from Bama coming? Is he a flip watch for us? Okay, Letterman Lounge with Matt Parker and I is on YouTube right now. We talked about Jamie French a little bit, the five-star um, Alabama commit wide receiver. Um, there are people around not only the Ohio State beat, but around the country who believe Jamie French is the number one wide receiver in the 2025 class, um, and he's the, the top of the list. It's Brian Hartline. If he's on campus, you know he's, you know they've got a chance, Andy. You've you've learned that in your in your uh, one year around here. If if Hartline can get a guy on campus, he knows he's got a chance with him. Absolutely, uh, seen it time and time again. So, I mean, I think that that's just the modern day recruiting too, right? You can commit somewhere and visit somewhere else. That's just the way it's being done right now. And so, I'm not too surprised, honestly. Uh, this it feels commonplace at a place like Ohio State for a game like this too. I've seen other recruits tweeting out like. I want to be at the shoe for a close game. This game has had a reputation between Ohio State and Penn State of coming down to the fourth quarter. 
of the last nine times they've played, five times it's come down to the fourth quarter with Penn State tying or having a lead in the fourth quarter in those games. So recruits know that. They know this game's going to be close. They want to see the shoe in that atmosphere. What is this crowd like when this game is close? What can it be like to play in that kind of atmosphere at Ohio State? So not surprised that, you know, Jamie is coming down to, to see this game. Um, but it should be a great atmosphere. Rocking, as Ryan Day said. Yeah, I love that Ryan Day actually acknowledged that. This, the place is going to be rocking. I like that. Uh, another good question is Penn State's defensive line better at rushing the passer or run or uh, defending the run? Of course, wondering what our offense should be doing to beat their defensive line, which I hear is elite. Their defensive line is elite. If there is a spot, though, Andy, um, I, you might agree with this. I think it's up the middle. Uh, and the good news for Ohio State is, uh, one, they have Ryan Day, who knows how to scheme against a defensive line. He knows it's going to give them fits. They did, he did against Georgia last year to perfection. Um, I would expect to see a little bit of that Georgia style. Um against Penn State just because he knows that the tackles might struggle a little bit. The other thing is, um, if you have a strength in your offensive line, it's at the guards, and Penn State may be vulnerable at the defensive tackles. So if you can get some misdirection, isolate those linebackers on motions, things like that. I'm not trying to get too in the weeds here, but I think there's an opportunity to clear the box out with some motions and then hit them up the middle where Penn State might be a little more vulnerable, uh, get that running game involved. I wouldn't be surprised to see it at all. I think that's something that they're going to have to attack because you can't just abandon the run, especially if there's going to be uh, a couple showers uh, in the forecast potentially, and it's going to be in the 50s. So you can't just throw the ball everywhere you want. you got to be able to run the ball, and I think Ohio is going to try to do that up the middle. Yeah, you can't abandon the run. They won't. We just know that from watching this team. They're going to run it 25, 30 times, maybe 35, no matter how well it's working because they won't become one-dimensional, even if it looks like that in the box score. So I think that you're right. The interior defense for that line for Penn State is weaker than the edge players they have. But Zane Durant is someone to know. Uh, he's got two sacks this season. I think he's double-digit tackles on the year. He's really stood out for them in that defensive interior at the tackle spot. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise, the talent is really on the edges. But they bring the linebackers in. I mean, they, they play a 4-3-5 base most of the time, and, and you'll see the linebackers, you know, flirting around with that defensive front, and they do a lot of different things to change that front throughout the game. Manny Diaz is probably one of the most creative defensive coordinators right now in college football, and he does a lot of things to distract offensive lines. And uh, I think that that is just something to, to key on because you, know, you, you can try to run the football, and even though that their defensive interior is probably weaker than the edges, they'll make things difficult and confusing with the way they bring linebackers in and they switch up those fronts. Andy, I don't know if you know this, but Penn State has had a double bye coming into this Ohio State game. Um, not only did the Nittany Lions have a bye two weeks ago, then they they faced uh, UMass last week and won 63 to nothing uh, on the back of a lot of yards, a lot of passing, a lot of running, a lot of doing whatever the, the heck they wanted, uh, and also two punt returns for touchdowns. They didn't have to sweat much to beat UMass. This is probably about as healthy as Penn State could possibly be, to answer the question under from Jake Anderson. Um, Penn State does not have a lot of guys limping around at all because Penn State has been able to rest up here these last couple weeks. Yeah, Penn State just not dealing with the same injury difficulties as Ohio State right now, which is obviously an advantage for them. Uh, J.B. Nelson, their guard, was dinged up a little bit, but James Franklin said this week they expect him back. So that's really the only one that was on my radar. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, they seem to be pretty healthy going into this game, uh, as you mentioned really the UMass game, but uh, all the games they've played aside from opening the season against West Virginia, uh, it's been a favorable tilt so far in one sense because they're pretty healthy. 
I'll go on the flip side of that, though. Yeah, Ohio State has some injuries, but they've also been tested with adversity. They've played in close games, and they know how to respond to that adversity. Penn State just, quite frankly, aside from some stale starts against you know Illinois and Northwestern, haven't been put in that position to have to respond. I mean, they've pulled away pretty quickly in the second half of those games. So I am curious, like, yeah, they're healthy, and yeah, they haven't been tested, but that could actually – you know, not the health component, but more of the blowout games could could come back to haunt them if they get in a close game this time around. I think Ohio State is actually more fresh than what I expected them to be heading into this game. Um, and that's kind of a weird thing to say because of the injuries that have piled up. But um, if Travion Henderson is good to go and he's 100%, and he actually was just held out for precautionary reasons the last two weeks. He hasn't played in a month. There's no there's no fresher that you're ever going to be than not playing for a month. Um you know, some of these defensive guys have not played as many snaps as uh, some some other teams around the country who, uh, you know, have been in a lot of close games. Ohio State's done a decent job of rotating in um, some guys in the fourth quarter. You know, against Purdue, they had some defensive guys on the bench in the fourth quarter. They were rotating defensive linemen in and out. You saw guys like Hero Canoe and Jaden McKenzie and Jakeda McDonald get on the field a little bit more because they're trying to keep these defensive linemen fresh. I don't think Ohio State is going to be at a disadvantage just because it – didn't have the back-to-back buys like Penn State just had. But, yeah, if you're talking just health, just like what's that availability going to be going to be the availability report going to be at, at 10 o'clock when it comes out for both squads, you're definitely going to look at Penn State's and think that they're a lot healthier than Ohio State. But I don't think Ohio State um, – this is something Ohio State can't handle because the, where they are being tested is spots where they believe they're really deep. Yeah, they've gotten kind of lucky in that regard because they haven't had an injury to the – offensive line, I guess, knock on wood for any Ohio State fan. And then the tight end group, too, is really, really thin. If you look past, I mean, the guys that made the visitors uh, traveling list for last week's game against Purdue, uh, you have Patrick Gerd, a preferred walk-on, that played three snaps at tight end. You have, you know, like that tight end room, aside from Cade Stover and G. Scott, then you're, you're stepping down to, like, Sam Hart, Patrick Gerd territory uh, because Bennett Christian, of course, can't play this year after testing positive for a banned substance uh, last winter. So you're kind of putting a bind right there. Joe Royer, obviously, is the other guy that comes to mind, but he's been banged up really uh, all, you know, points of the off season and seems like points of the season right now. So it's a tough position. So, you know, to your point, like they've gotten kind of lucky to weather some injuries of positions where they are deeper and the ones where they are probably thinner. They just haven't had injuries to this point this season. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you, but you started writing about it right away, right after Saturday night's game at, at Purdue. Ohio State's facing injury concerns, and um, those haven't really gone away, but but there's reason to believe the Buckeyes can weather that storm, whether that's, you know, if Mekibuki can't play, you've got Xavier Johnson. And then now we've got to talk about, and I wanted to talk about this as we move on a little bit here, Andy, Buckeyes who need to step up. You have a story about Carnell Tate on the website. He's beginning to get the steam that you see from the next up in line of wide receivers. He's beginning to come up more and more. And Ryan Day, I think, tipped his hand a little bit. And if he doesn't play very much, then I guess Ryan Day didn't tip his hand. But both Ryan Day and Marvin Harrison Jr. were talking about the opportunity Carno is going to be getting and not – um, yeah, if he gets on the field, you'll see what he can do. You know, like they're starting to talk in like definitives of like, yeah, he's going to be here soon. And, and when he when he's playing, then you're going to see it. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. 
I think the way I wrote it was uh, the writing's been on the wall, the Woody Hayes Athletic Center for a long time. And that's true. Like we've been hearing about this since what, March, maybe even before that. Carnell Tate has wowed in practice. He has shown up in games so far. I mean, people, I thought it was funny. Marvin Harrison Jr. was joking and, and they were making fun of Carnell Tate for not scoring on that catch and run against Purdue. But he did the smart thing, which was protect the football in a game in which Ohio State had a huge lead. And he had the speed to beat those two defensive backs for a touchdown. But he was protecting the football. And that's because he plays like a sophomore or junior. He doesn't play like a freshman. And he's done that from the moment he got there. So that's why he's in this position. I don't think they're just saying he's special for no reason. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. back in August said that, hey, he's further along at this point than I was entering my sophomore year, a year in which Marvin Harrison Jr. caught 77 balls, had over 1,200 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns, and was a Blitnikoff Award finalist. So, look, they have a lot of confidence in Carnell Tate. I don't know how much he'll play, but he's ready to play if they need him to. And, you know, he doesn't fit into the slot as well as, like, Xavier Johnson would. I still expect Xavier Johnson to start in the slot if Emeka Okuka can't play on Saturday. But that doesn't mean that Carnell Tate won't play 20, 25 snaps in this game. And all it takes is one pivotal catch. I mean, we were talking earlier today, Chris Olave against Michigan. He had two touchdowns in that game as a true freshman in 2018. He had two catches in that game. Both went, to both went for touchdowns. So, like, it doesn't matter how many snaps you play, how many catches you have. Carnell Tate could be one of those guys that just makes a play that changes the game on Saturday. Chris Olave also had a blocked punt in that game that went for a touchdown. Um, people kind of forget that because of the two touchdowns, but he and Seven Banks teamed up to uh, get a get a blocked punt and then the scoop and score on that. Uh, the, the quote that I was referring to there before I teed you up there, Andy, was uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm super – he said, quote, I'm super excited to see as he continues to grow as his role increases in the offense. I'm proud of him for all he's done so far. So he's they're talking about that role increasing. And I thought it was important for Ryan Day and Ohio State to get him some confidence and get him a couple catches in the driving rain at that point um, on that drive against Purdue. Um, because he he picked up a first down on the drive, and then the very next play from the slot, he picks up a 55-yard reception and puts the Buckeyes down in position to score, I think two plays later, maybe one play later to Cade Stover. So they're bringing him along the way that you ex would expect some, them to bring a freshman along that they want to play more. Um, and it's middle of October. These guys, if they weren't freshmen anymore in August, they're certainly not freshmen anymore in October. And I think that's important to remember is like, Yes, Carnell Tate impressed a lot in the spring and in training camp, but there are guys we see all the time who impress as true freshmen in spring and training camp who fizzle out as it becomes obvious that they're still a freshman in terms of game preparation, in terms of film study, in terms of week to week. Can you bring it every week to win at a national championship level? I think Carnell Tate's proving that he can do that, and that's why he's earning a role. That's why other freshmen have troubles getting into the lineup, I think is more like the week to week thing and not just like, the talent level, you know, the talent's there, but how do you prepare every week? And they talk about Carnell Tate's pro approach already. His approach is what set him apart. I think you're starting to see that pay off on the field, not only Monday through Friday, but on Saturdays as well. Absolutely. Uh, I guess we pivot to more Buckeyes players that need to step up in this game. Uh, I think the linebackers really need to play well. They've been a bit of a weak point, surprisingly, I feel like for this season. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg, I'll still say that he deserves more credit than he gets. I know people have been hard on him so far this season. He's the quarterback of this defense. Uh, James Franklin said this week he's got a coach crush on Tommy Eichenberg. I thought that was a little odd, but 
hey, look, I mean, it's the kind of player he is. He's so cerebral. He's obviously very tough, uh, but he does a lot for making the checks for this defense. But he hasn't been always great in run defense. There have been times where he struggled to get off here, where he hasn't contained particularly well. And, and runs have bounced off outside uh, for extra gains of chunk yardage. So Steel Chambers is also, you know, hasn't been at his best. I thought he had a strong start to the season. I thought he was a lot more patient in run defense and just was anticipating things better since I feel like the last three, four games he struggled, really since that Notre Dame game, I feel like. And now you're seeing Cody Simon playing more and actually outsnapped Steel Chambers in last week's game. So the linebackers I'm circling on my sheet because this is a Penn State team that can run the ball with Nick Singleton and Katrin Allen, but they also have tight ends and Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson who – you know, they have, they have seven of the 15 receiving touchdowns for this Penn State team. So that linebacker, tight end matchup, linebacker, running back matchup, I think is really key this week. I'm going to go back to the other side of the ball, and I think you make great points there. Uh, I'm going to the other side of the ball because you're talking about the Penn State tight ends. I think more importantly for in this game, the Ohio State tight end is is going to be just huge. We The, the tight ends – in this game in particular, maybe we can just lump them together because the Ohio State linebackers have to play well um, from our perspective because you're all here to watch, to hear us talk about Ohio State, not Penn State. The Ohio State linebackers have to play well, but on the exact flip side of that, for the same exact reason, Kate Stover has to play well. You have to be able to defend the tight end in this game because, like you said, seven of those 15 passing touchdowns that Drew Aller has this year um, or just the Penn State offense has this year, they've gone to tight ends. That's not a coincidence. Like they want to get them involved. They know that Tim May saying that the tight end is always open. They're they're disciples of the church of Tim May. Um, throwing to the tight end. Well, guess what? Ryan Day's been been in the pews as well because he's listened. And now Cade Stover is the focal point of this offense. He's gonna he has the potential to set some records here, and he's also got the potential to set uh, himself as a name for maybe the Mackey Award. Now that Brock Bowers is going to be out four to six weeks, don't be surprised if Cade Stover starts to make a push for that. So like. He's got to be huge, especially if Emeka Ibuka doesn't play because he's been big for this offense all year. Theo Johnson and uh, Tyler Warren are the same exact way. They've been a huge part of this offense all year. So the tight ends are just massive in this game. We saw Marcus Ball in the 2017 game catch the game-winning touchdown from JT Barrett. Um, tight ends have played a huge part in this game before. Pat Ryan moved for Penn State uh, when they almost took down Ohio State a couple different times. Like, it's a thing that can happen. The tight ends can can become the story of this game, and uh, it won't surprise me if the tight ends on both sides of the ball become the story in this. So I'll take Kate Stover um, as a Buckeye who needs to step up kind of in a spinoff to the way you talked about it with the Ohio State linebackers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to keep talking about special teams every week because it hasn't been impressing me every single week. You know, like Jaden Fielding has been great this season. He missed an extra point against Purdue. I get inclement weather, but there might be some bad weather this time around again against Penn State. Field goals are going to be important. We talked about it yesterday's show. Like It's going to be important for this team to make its field goals. But aside from just kicks, like Daquan Hardy for Penn State, house two punts last week against UMass. He's a dangerous punt returner and just a kick returner in general for Penn State. Uh, I think that you got to be really on your A game, special teams, in any kind of matchup game, but especially this one. I just feel like Ohio State special teams have kind of just been not great this season, and at some point you just don't want that to catch up to you. Um, same thing goes for Penn State, though. They got to be on their 
P's and Q's on special teams as well, because again, it's so big in games like this. Yeah, the Ohio State special teams, I think you put it very mildly. Um, that you said that they've they haven't been great this year. Um, there have been times, man, where we're just sitting up in that press box and it's like, what are they doing? Um, but there's always room to improve. And the Ohio State special teams need to improve. They need to take a step forward this week for sure. Uh, and like you said, Penn State's a team that knows how to set up a wall and get to the end zone on a punt return. There's probably going to be some punts in this game, I'll be honest with you. Um, and so you've got to be better. And Jesse Murko's got to have his best game too. I think this is a field position game. A um, little sneak peek to my bold predictions, uh, score prediction on uh, Friday that comes out at lettermanrow.com at 10 a.m. I think there's going to be a lot of field goals in this game. Jaden Field is going to have to grow up, show some maturity in this game, and uh, prove that – that um, you know, he can be the kicker for a long time at Ohio State. He's only a second-year player. Um, so, I, I – you hit the nail on the head, man, special teams. And then the last, the, the last Buckeye that I think needs to step up, maybe this is dumb, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. it's Ryan Day. It's Ryan Day. It's, there are games we see Ryan Day come in, and the offensive game plan is is – you, you can see it, but it, it's not working out. And he'll ditch it and get to something that he knows is going to work. There are games where he just has it, man. He just has it. Like, look at the Georgia game. Look at the Penn State game from last year in the fourth quarter. When they started running some stuff that, that they had cooked up, it was just working. And when they needed stuff, he knew to go to Marvin Harrison Jr. He knew when to press the Cherry Van Henderson button last year in the fourth quarter. He knew when to do the things that needed to be done. How early does he get to that? How is the how is the scripted drive? They want to start fast. That starts with a script and how to beat this Penn State team and get them off rhythm early. He he knows how to fire up his team. I think Ryan Day has to have his best on Saturday. He was not at his at his very best against Notre Dame until he absolutely needed to be. But you got it out of of the head coach. He's going against a Manny Diaz defense that is going to get after him. That is going to try to get in his head. It's going to try to mess up his offensive line. I think Ryan Day has to be the number one Buckeye to step up. He's not even going to be on the field um, playing. But I think if anybody needs to step up, it's, it's Ryan Day. And he, he's he got that in him that he can do that. And I, I think you're going to need to see him at his best uh, if they're going to win on Saturday. He's definitely bringing the emotion every game this year. I don't think there's been one where he's been flat at all. <laughs> I feel like he gives it his all. He always comes up to the post-game presser. You know, just it's like he's worked out. You know, he's, he's just – voice is hoarse he's just sweating mm-hmm. like i mean he really gives it his all which you, you have to tip your hat to but like you said it's all the x's and o's at the end of the day how is he calling the game against this defense that's what he's going to be judged about and i think that's fair uh this is a many ds defense that is is great and, and i think that people are timid to maybe make that claim because they haven't played much of anyone at this point but look when you're that dominant it's not a fluke i mean there's been shutouts that they've posted there have just been dominant games where like you don't do that if you're not a great defense i also think like they force turnovers and that's something that needs to be talked about for this week the turnover battle is so key in any matchup game but especially this week against a stingy penn state defense it's top 15 in takeaways right now kyle mccord has put the ball on the ground a few times this season he's only thrown one interception but he's had a few fumbles and that's something to watch out for this week ohio state needs to take care of the ball and they need to force some turnovers themselves. I mean, Drew Aller hasn't thrown an interception this year. They need to be opportunistic as well to win this turnover battle. Drew Aller played a lot last year. Um, they got him in a pretty good, pretty good clip last year for Sean Clifford. 
He has not turned the ball over in a Penn State uniform. It's not even that he hasn't thrown an interception as a starter. It's not even that, you know, he didn't make that really dumb freshman mistake last year. No, he has not turned the ball over one time in a Penn State uniform. If I had to pick right now, I would say that's going to change on Saturday. At some point, I think Ohio State will be able to get something, um, especially with a lot of underneath throws, as aggressive as I think Ohio State's going to play this play this on defense. It's it's pretty startling that he hasn't thrown a, an interception or fumbled or just had a turnover in general. Um, so you have no idea how he responds to those things. And I think that's one of the, the most interesting underlying, underlying storylines of this game is if Drew Aller turns the ball over, how does he respond? Because we have no idea. James Franklin, Mike Yursich, Drew Aller's parents have no idea how he will respond if he turns the ball over in a college game. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, it's pretty incredible he's gone that long. Reminds me of C.J. Stroud, like in the NFL, going as long as he did without an interception this season. But, uh, yeah, it's it's all mental fortitude. Um, he seems like a pretty composed guy. It seems like every time this season, even when they've had slow starts offensively, even though he hasn't turned the ball over, he's responded well. I'm thinking of, like, the Northwestern and Illinois games. He's still stayed in there and stayed composed and played well enough in the second half for them to pull away. So I think that there that resolve is there, but you're right. It's a different different combination when you th- when you turn a ball or whether it's an interception or a fumble, and you're playing in your home state at a school that you know maybe in a parallel uniform uh, university you could have been playing for. I think that's a different you know cocktail of emotion. So I, I do think it's a interesting scenario. I, I didn't think about that too much. That's a good point, Spencer. Andy, can Ohio State run the football on Saturday? I, I think they can if they build off what they did last week. And again, Purdue has just a super banged up defense right now. Uh, not a great defense already, but even worse because of the injuries they've weathered. A lot of what we saw last week at Purdue was uh, leaning more on the gap scheme runs. It was a lot more balanced. Traditionally, this is a wide zone running team and not to get too like scheme heavy or anything like that, but they were doing a lot of pulling of both guards and tackles, which really helped create running lanes for the running backs. And yes, Dallin Hayden has great vision, but that also makes it easier for a running back when you're doing that kind of scheme. Uh, it sets up better holes. You just have to usually follow the polar, and there will be a hole. So it was a little bit of both. So are they going to build off of that scheme, uh, You know, having more of a balanced split between zone and gap? And are they going to do some of that pre-snap motion that I felt like distracted the eyes of that Purdue defense? Now, that doesn't work against every team. That's obviously more on tape right now. So can Penn State respond to that? I think those all factor into if Ohio State can run the football. I think it has a lot less to do with who is running the football. I think all these running backs are good players. They're all different. Uh, I would be interested to see if Dallin Hayden gets any run. But at this point, you know, if Mayan Williams is healthy and if Travion Henderson is healthy and Chip Trainum's healthy enough to play, I, I just don't know if Dallin Hayden will play, to be quite honest with you, just based on how they've managed him so far this season and, Andy, and last year too. Andy, the people want Dallin Hayden. The people want. Yeah, he's so this. fun to watch. He's so fun to watch, but I just don't know. I mean, like every last year, right? Stars at Maryland saves the season, arguably. They don't win that game. They're not making CFP. And then the next week, he barely plays against Michigan. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't either. Um, the usage of Dallin Hayden has been really interesting. I know for a fact, though. Here's what I know. Maybe we'll do like like therapy words. Like I think I feel I know. Um, <laughs> I know 
that they trust Dallin Hayden now with the ball in his hands. Last year, every time they talked about him, it was like, oh, we don't know. Ball secure. You know, the first thing you got to do is take care of the football. The first thing, he, this guy must have fumbled a thousand times in practice because he never fumbled in a game. But they kept saying, uh, he's got to take care of the football. Now, the narrative has completely changed from the Ohio State coaching staff. Well, he's best when the ball's in his hands. He's best when the ball's in his hands. Do you know what that means, Andy? Pass protection, pass protection, <laughs> pass protection, which is one of the problems, I think, with Saturday in a matchup game. You want Dallin Hayden in there to run the football. You don't want Dallin Hayden in there if he's only going to run the football, though, because you have you can't tip your hand like that. However, your running back in this game against this defensive line with your offensive line, your running back has to be able to pass protect. And so Dallin, on one hand, Dallin Hayden is probably the best guy in the hole to, to get run, yards running the football, but he might be the worst guy in there if you're trying to keep Kyle McCord um, alive. And so uh, it's a juxtaposition. Ohio State's going to have to uh, have to balance here. It's it's a juggling act for the Buckeyes to, to figure out how to use him, if to use him in this game. But Look, if if Travion Henderson is healthy, and if if Mayan Williams and Dallin and and Chip Trainum are healthy, I think they can give you enough in the running game. And I think they are like take this for example. Travion had 27 carries, I think, against Penn State as a freshman. I had 150 some yards. He had the long touchdown run. I mean, he had the long run to set up his own touchdown run. Um, he knows what it's like to get bumps and bruises in in this kind of Big Ten game. I know Dallin Hayden has looked really impressive. But we have to consider who Dallin Hayden has looked impressive against. I thought that Maryland defense was okay last year. It wasn't great. Um, Trivian Henderson and Chip Trainum and Mayan Williams know what that is like to go against these big-time, big-caliber, physical, bruising opponents and get those yards. So I think there is something to be said for that, too, when it comes to the running game. Yeah, and, and if Trivian Henderson plays against Penn State, you have to get the – the sense that they knew that he would, you know, be out a week, maybe two, and he probably could have played last week against Purdue if that's the case. And, you know, you're targeting that Penn State game. You don't just break him back to, to not really use. I mean, they talked so much about how he's their star back. I just – I have a hard time imagining where he's not the lead back on Saturday if he's healthy enough to play. Uh, I think Dallin Hayden's great. I, I love watching him play. It just feels like they need him. It's kind of like that tight end position, right? They, they say, like, we always talk about July Thurman this offseason. Right, such a big receiving target, but if you can't block effectively at the tight end position, they're not going to put you on the field because they know that what you're going to do with them. It's it's predictable. Well, it feels like the same kind of thing with the running back position. Like they'll use Dallin if they have to because he's a great runner. He can get the job done running the football, but he might not be versatile enough right now to do everything. But it is it, it one thing's interesting though. You mentioned the quality of opponents. He did start his first career game. His first career start came against Georgia and CFP last year. And that Georgia defense four or five carries, is better than did. every defense. So yeah. like, it's just, I don't know. He is a really, really interesting enigma with this team. And I can't say I've figured it out, but I'm interested to keep watching. Yeah, the thing about Trey is he's a weapon in the passing game as well. He absolutely is. Ohio State has not used its running backs in the passing game very much this year. Um, we are pining for the days of J.K. Dobbins when they were running a lot of screens with J.K., getting him open in open space and giving him the football. Trey can do that. Um, and with the blitz that and the pressure and the aggressiveness that these Penn State linebackers play with, I would not be surprised at all to see the running backs get more involved in the passing game this week. Um, 
if, if Penn State's going to bring a blitz, Ohio State's going to have to screen over top of it or throw to Kate Stover over top. If, if Penn State's going to be as aggressive as I've seen them be uh, trying to run fit against uh, Illinois and against West Virginia, those teams had success in quick passing game. You know who's great in quick passing game? Trivian Henderson. I would not be surprised if the extension of the running game this week, instead of screens out wide to the wide receivers like we've seen in the past couple weeks, um, Penn State's too athletic for that. I think this is the kind of game where you could see the running back screens get involved. Because remember last year, that was like the crescendo of stop throwing the blank, blank screens because um, they kept throwing them out to Emeka, Buka, Marvin Harrison, and they just weren't working. So something to keep in mind. I, I think that, that you could definitely see that. But on the other side of the ball, Andy, you know, how they stop Penn State? This is a team that averages, I think, eight you know, eight plays per scoring drive. They're a team that scores a lot of touchdowns because they just they hammer the ball down the field three, four, five yards at a time. They do not care what you have to say about their explosive play rate because it does not exist, and they don't really care. So can Ohio State get enough stops and get them off the field? Because Ohio State, for as good as its defense has been, you've talked about it all year. I kind of dismissed it, but now the rubber meets the road. Hasn't been great on third down. Hasn't been great on third down, and that all factors into how efficient this offense needs to be. Because Jim Knowles talked about it this week. If you're efficient on third down, you're basically stealing a possession from the other team. And it gives it back to your offense. And you look at the Notre Dame game. This Ohio State team had eight possessions. And that was with that final defensive stop that gave them back the ball to have that game-winning drive, win the game. They could have finished that game with seven possessions. I think they had nine or something. Wasn't it like seven? No, seven all in the first half against Georgia in the CFP. That is insane. So, yes, some of it's clock rule, but at this point, we're not even talking about that. A lot of it's just defense. Can you get off the field on third down? Uh, and, and I just think that, you know, with this key, like, I think they can stop uh, stop Penn State in this game. I, I do think that it's, a lot of it, it's getting them off schedule early. Um, don't let them get ahead of the chains and start running the ball effectively because that's where you'll just get comfortable with Drew Aller in this offense. I also think that, you know, with so much talk about Drew Aller not being able to push the ball downfield, I really think they're going to push it downfield this game. I, I just do. Um, they have 11 pass attempts with him at quarterback of 20 or more air yards this season. Four of them came last week against UMass. Yes, that's UMass, but I also think that's putting more on his plate. We talked a lot, you talked a lot this week about putting more on Kyle McCord's plate. They're doing the same thing with Drew Aller. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them asking more from him in a game like this than we've seen all season. Which is going to mean that Ohio State's secondary will be tested, I think. you know, um, I, I think this is the final moment that we have to see Josh Proctor be the new Josh Proctor before we know that this is just who he is now. Um, you know, Eye discipline is going to be huge in this game, whether that's with tight ends streaking across the middle of the field, whether that's um, not letting motion get the best of you and get beat on a deep ball. You know, we've, we've seen these things in past coverage with Josh Proctor before. This year he has been absolutely incredible. Um, a, a revelation for this defense. This, I think, is that final test for him to prove to everybody, hey, you know, against even like the best team on the schedule so far, this is what I can be. Um, so I think that Ohio State secondary is going to have its hands full, to be honest, even more than the front. I, I trust enough that Ohio State's front will be able to slow down the Penn State running attack. They did it last year uh, pretty well, I thought, um, with Tyler Williams on that fourth and one stuffing, I think, Nick Singleton. Uh, Singleton and Allen are really good, though. Katron Allen, Nicholas Singleton, great backs. Um, and Ohio State's going to have to bring it up front, but the secondary is going to be really tested because Penn State wants to lull you to sleep. They just haven't done it 
and then thrown over the top yet on anybody this year. But I would not be surprised. The other thing is, Andy, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out on the first drive and are just slinging. Uh, they, they've heard all of the talk. And if they get the ball first, especially, do not be surprised if Penn State comes out and is just slinging it. Yeah, Drew Aller is one of the best intermediate passers in the Big Ten. Uh, he's got more completions in that range than Kyle McCord. He's up near the top five in terms of completion percentage of those throws. So he can drive the football down the field. And, and you can make the argument that sometimes those throws are more difficult to make than, than the deep throws. And a lot of the deep throws are busted coverage. Uh, it's one-on-one. Your guy wins a 50-50 ball. The intermediate range, those are tough throws to make. Uh, it's not like Drew Allers just throwing behind the line of scrimmage, zero to nine yards. It, He's made a lot of good throws between 10 to 19. So this is a quarterback that's fully capable of leading Penn State to where it wants to go. Question is, is the moment too big? It's the cliche, but it's the question. Everyone was asking about it with Kyle McCord at Notre Dame, and he was one interception away on that final drive from people saying he wasn't. Obviously, he delivered, and it's clear that he can. So it's just a question with first-year starting quarterbacks. It's a question this week for Drew Aller. It was a question earlier this year for Kyle McCord. It's honestly the question again for Kyle McCord. It just keeps coming up, right? But you got to prove it time and time again, and that's the question this week. Very last thing, Andy, before we get into the, the you know America's favorite segment of this show. Uh, do we see 33 on the field at all on Saturday? I think so, yeah. I think you're going to see both quarterbacks that are the backups of either team on the field. Uh, Penn State, funny enough, actually has a quarterback in Bo Pribula who like they've mm-hmm. used him quite often. And it's funny. I remember Big Ten Media Days we're talking like James Franklin didn't say who was the starter, still didn't want to reveal that it was Drew Aller and everyone was scoffing being like, this is so silly. We know it's Drew Aller. They groomed him. He played a lot last year. But man, Bo Pribula was just that impressive last offseason that they were like we need to give him some snaps we need to let him play and they use him he's had 34 carries like over 200 rushing yards three touchdowns on the year so he's someone to watch out for number nine they think he's like trace mcsorley and obviously wears the same number so on the field kind of looks like it so they'll bring him in in a package usually to run the football he can throw as well and i think yeah i think we will see some devin brown uh, i thought urban meyer's comments on and tim may's uh, Urban's take show for on three we were particularly interesting this week about that package. Uh, he said that he loved it. He said, I mean, we, we saw Urban Meyer use the running quarterback with JT Barrett. We saw that even before, uh, even his previous stops with Tim Tebow. Uh, you can go back throughout his career. He said that he thought that was a great design uh, by Ryan Day. So I, I think we'll see it. I don't know how much, and I don't expect consecutive red zone drives with it, but I think we'll see it at some point. I think that you will see it uh, as well. I think so. Uh, this is a great question, to be honest. I've contemplated this all week, honestly. I have in my head. I've I've had it in my head all week. Do you think if they play, if Ohio State plays fast, they'll leave Penn State in the dust? All right. Here's the deal. There is no game script that I have played in my head where Penn State blows out Ohio State. There is a a lot of game scripts I've played out in my head. Andy, and I, I really want to get your opinion on this. This is a Mary, thank you so much. This is actually a great question to kind of end this on. There's a lot of game scripts that I've played in my head where Penn State wins close. There's a lot of game scripts I've played in my head where Ohio State wins close. There is one game script that I've tried to play in my head, and I've tried to get it out of my head, where Ohio State comes out and starts fast. And the Penn State identity of not being explosive enough 
is just what they are, and it catches up to them. And if you're not explosive and you get down a couple scores against this Ohio State team with this crowd, I think there is a very small possibility that it ends in a very poor fashion for Penn State. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're way too talented for that to happen. But there is a, a small possibility where – and it didn't happen against Notre Dame because Ohio State missed its opportunities to, to make it happen. But if Ohio State comes out fast and gets up a couple scores here, there's a, a reality where if Penn State can't move the ball four and five yards at a time on the dinks and dunks, it could get out of hand for Penn State in, in a hurry. And, and I don't think that's going to happen, but it's something that could. Yeah, I mean, bit of a slow start against Youngstown State, bit of a slow start against Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Slow start against Notre Dame, slow start against Maryland. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, last week was different. Uh, who wins the coin toss? Who's receiving the opening kickoff? If Ohio State wins the toss, are they deferring? If you defer, is Penn State marching down the field and already stealing half the clock in the first quarter? I think if Ohio State starts with the ball and they score quickly on that first drive, then you're talking because then it's possible – you immediately force Drew Aller and Penn State offense into a situation where they need to score probably on that drive to feel like they can stay in, even if it's a field goal, and maybe they take some more risks than, than maybe they're accustomed to. But I think that if Penn State starts off with the ball, um, that scenario is a little bit harder to pull off. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I just I wanted to see engage you on that just because, like, if Ohio State does have the ball first and goes down on the script and scores and, and they get a stop against the dink and dunk Penn State team, they're getting the ball back with a chance to go two scores immediately in the first quarter. That's a big deal um, for it for this team um, and for Kyle McCord to kind of establish himself there uh, within this game and the storylines of this game. Um, anything else? Final thoughts? Obviously, tomorrow um, at 10 a.m., bold predictions will be live on LettermanRow.com and on the YouTube channel, the Letterman Row YouTube channel. Make sure you go like this video, like the like the bold predictions video when it comes out, and subscribe to that channel. But Andy, before bold predictions come out tomorrow, man, we've talked enough. Talking season's almost over. Saturday's about here. What's your what are your final thoughts here before we uh we get into some some picks for week eight? Yeah, I just think it's gonna be a super close game. I just really think it's gonna go down to the wire. I think uh, I don't know if we talked enough about the the Penn State offensive line. It's one of the best in the country, and I'm really excited to watch uh, Olu. Fashanu, um, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name. It's always so tricky. I get it wrong every time. I'm like James Franklin trying to pronounce JT Tuimolo, which he can't do. Um, but Olu is a great left tackle for Penn State, and he's probably going to be in the top five this year's draft. Um, that whole Penn State offensive line, the play as a unit. So I'm watching that. How does that pan out for this defensive line? Can JT be the superhero he was last year if he isn't? Uh, can Tyler Williams keep playing like he is? Can Jack Sawyer step up? Caden Curry? I don't know. That That's what I – I love the line of scrimmage. So uh, I know you do too. So we'll, we'll watch that. Yeah, big uh, big trenches guy, if you ask me. Um, yeah, my, my closing thoughts are um, Ohio State fans have to bring it. That's my closing thought. Um, the horseshoe at noon is not the same as the horseshoe um, at night. And as somebody who grew up, around Ohio State my entire life. That's just, it is what it is. And Ohio State fans have the ability and have the freedom to change that and make it as loud as they want. I, I tracked the decibels on on the trusty tech watch, uh, the Apple watch. Apple's not a sponsor, uh, so I almost didn't say it. But uh, I, I tracked it in, with the Oregon game in 2021, and it got up to 104 decibels in there. That is freaking loud. Uh, I was down on the field trying to track it. That, that – uh, 
horseshoe end of the stadium was at 104 decibels when Oregon got the ball back. Ohio State eventually stopped them, got the ball back with a chance to win, to tie that game and didn't. Um, but it was loud in there, and I think it has to be loud in there because this is Drew Aller's first true road test. Pens- or Illinois doesn't count. I, I don't care what you say. Illinois doesn't count. So this is going to be a huge test for him, and the louder it is in that stadium, I think Ohio State's going to have an even bigger advantage um, against a, a quarterback who's being tested for the first time. So uh, a little bit of a challenge issued by me, but certainly by Ryan Day. He said that the, the fans need to be loud, and I think there's a lot of credence to what he's saying there. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a huge factor. Loud at Notre Dame felt that way at week four. Uh, you got to deliver a game like this. So letting fans in, I think, two hours early before kickoff, usually 90 minutes. I think there's a concerted plan there to get people in the stands and, and cheering for this game. It's pivotal. Uh, CFP implications. I don't know if it's a must win per se. Like if both teams lost this, they could still make a run at the CFP. But you certainly feel a lot better about your team if they win this game knowing that you really just have one more game circled before uh, things get real. Yeah, make sure to drop your uh, your score prediction in the comments there. I'd love to see them. Maybe maybe I'll be able to uh, make an arrangement with somebody if they get the exact score correct. Uh, so if you get the exact score correct, you might have to check your DMs because uh, maybe I'll have something for you. Uh, Andy, America's favorite segment here. Uh, America hates me. I'm 1-3-1 and one the last week. I went 4-1 and one two weeks ago. I said I went 5-0 and oh, went back into the math. I'm not a math guy. I say that on every show. Uh, I ended up going four and one. I lost on the hook with the Notre Dame Louisville game. Last week was just bad. Rutgers minus four and a half. They win by three. Oregon plus two and a half. Uh, they lost by three. BYU plus five and a half. They got boat raced by TCU's backup quarterback. North Carolina minus three and a half. We got to win. And Alabama, Arkansas over 46 and a half. 2421. All right. All right. So this Can't week. Can't win. This week, I have the Andy Backs from Spreadsville. You know where I'm going. Back to the well that won us some money a few weeks ago. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we took the BC money line against Army. They win. They cash the plus money for us. This week, they're coming off the buy. They're in Atlanta, Bobby Dodd Stadium, the oldest stadium in college football. BC plus four and a half against Georgia Tech. Book it. That's one of my uh, five. We're staying in the ACC for two more. We got Pitt plus one and a half. Pitt, please. Pitt plus one and a half. Uh, we got Clemson minus three against Miami. Miami stinks, okay? That's that's a team that stinks. Uh, and I think Clemson's going to be able to get it done. That stadium's going to be half full down in uh, – down in South Florida. Nobody cares uh, about Miami football down there uh, like they do in other places of the country. I don't think there's going to be a home field advantage. Give me Clemson minus three. Ole Miss and Auburn, that sounds like a drunk game from, from start to finish. There's no way that thing's staying under. Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin uh, going at it like two crabs in a bucket trying not to get fried. Uh, over 54 and a half. That's a big number for an Auburn offense that stinks. I don't care. Over 54 and a half. And then UTSA plays FAU in Boca. FAU is a road or is a home favorite, a home dog, if I can speak. They're plus 112 on the money line. I'm, I don't care about the points. Give me FAU straight up. The money line plus 112. FAU money line plus 112. Those are the five picks, Andy. What do you think? I think you're going five and out. Feel it. FAU pick is a interesting pull. They're playing well. 
Texas Tom, former Ohio State Tom, um, flashing that championship ring. Even with the backup quarterback, they're starting to play pretty well. And uh, UTSA just doesn't have the juice this year, man. So uh, that's a little sicko stuff, trying to pick a, uh, a game a game of that magnitude. And we just got done talking number three versus number seven. But, hey, there are still people watching this video who want these, these sweet, sweet picks uh, from the guy who's not doing very well at, at picking these games. So uh, we must be doing something right here. Hey, uh, I'm watching Army LSU at 7.30 p.m. Why is that game at 7.30 p.m.? Uh, I don't know. That one strikes me. Yeah, there's a lot of good games this week for real. Duke, Florida State, 16-4 matchup. I don't think Duke's ever beaten Florida State. Uh, if Duke wants to have a chance at the ACC title, it's going to win that game uh, and throw off FSU. I mean, that would totally throw off all CFP projections right now. A lot of people are high on the Seminoles, as I was in the preseason. Uh, other games this week that catch my eye, uh, you've got an interesting matchup with Utah and USC. Is USC going to bounce back and still be in the CFP running? Or are they going to fold and lose the second game and, and kind of already end their end their season effectively? I feel like when USC goes two losses or more, like it just kind of unravels at times. So I'm, I'm curious to see if they can bounce back, get back on that horse. Utah is a pretty good team. So that whole Pac-12 is, is enticing right now. Uh, so those are a couple of games that, that stick out to me. I don't know. Texas-Houston is going to be fun. Just – I don't know if Houston can hang at all. It's a 23-and-a-half underdog. But last week's game against West Virginia, I feel like had the whole country's notice. That was, what, a Thursday night, Hail Mary. So, Yeah, we went straight know. from the show to watch it. It was great. Yeah. Uh, very last thing before we get out of here. I'm not just going to ignore it. Do you think Michigan scouted Michigan State well enough to cover the 24-and-a-half? <laughs> you think they, they had somebody at every game making sure, like, hey – we got to know what Sparty's up to this week. So, <laughs> hey, if they were if they were everywhere else, uh, I wouldn't put it past them. But I don't know. Yeah. That, that story is really uh, – we're going to have to watch that one. Go. I mean, as any NCAA investigation, my first reaction to this was, wow. My second one was uh, NCAA investigation are the words to stick out because any one of those takes forever, and you never know where you get from it. So we'll see. You either get a slap on the wrist or you get you get a show cause. There's not really much in between anymore with the NCAA. But I do think Michigan is going to absolutely paste Michigan State Saturday night. So you can put that down to Michigan minus 24 and a half. I'll, I'll hold myself to that one if it happens. If it doesn't, I won't count it against my record because my record's terrible already. So I don't need to count as many losses. Uh, I'll skim whatever I can off the top. Andy, let's get out of here. Go watch the football. You've got the Phillies to watch. I know I've kept you during a Phillies game. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going on with them right now, so I'll have to check up. I think they – I don't know. Let's see. Oh, it's 1-1. So, yeah, i gotta, I got to catch the end of the eighth. Yeah. We're going to let Andy get out of here. Go sweat the rest of the Phillies game. I'm going to get out of here. Go watch some football. Uh, watch the Jags tonight. Watch some college football. should be a fun weekend, man. I'm looking forward to Ohio State. Penn State. Number three, number seven. We don't get many like this in the horseshoe, folks. Enjoy them because uh, Ohio State Penn State are not going to play every year anymore In 2020, starting in 2025. They are playing on Saturday at noon on Fox or in the horseshoe. If you see us around Saturday, come say hi before the game. If not, we'll see you on the field for a rapid reaction after the game. We'll see you tomorrow, Friday, for bold predictions. Until then, have a good Thursday night. We'll see you in the horseshoe on Saturday.